Welcome back to the uh, XX Mormon Podcast, everybody. We are delighted to have you here today and ask that the Spirit will dwell in our hearts and in our minds as we, as we discuss self-awareness in today's episode. Bishop Jensen is with us today, presiding on the stand, um, and uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure where I was going I was, with this. such a kick out of this every time. I, I, I'm trying to, um, I was like trying to do a mix of Captain James T. Kirk uh, and a little <laughs> bit of David A. Bednar, you know, just a, a little bit of roboticism. Oh, his is like, his is, I invite the Spirit to go unto and dwell within each of our hearts as unto we discuss the five with, points. Uh, yeah. Behold, these five points of self-awareness will bring you to a greater understanding of yourself and your awareness. Uh, with that... <laughs> Um, I think we need more guests. We definitely need more, need, need more guests. Sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Bishop, Bishop Jensen, uh, take it away. Well, okay. Have you seen, have you seen V for Vendetta? Yes. We talked about this before. Yeah. You know that part where like they do that sketch comedy that makes fun of the prime minister, or the supreme leader or whatever? Maybe. They make fun of him and how he like always goes to bed with a warm glass of milk since I was a boy. And then it changes scenes to the prime minister, like sitting in his armchair, crushing his glass of milk. <laughs> and I just, every time somebody makes fun of David A. Bednar, I just think of that. Yeah. If there's ever a meme that makes fun of him, I just imagine him coming face to face with who he really is, becoming so incensed and angry, and then crushing his Warm glass of milk. <laughs> warm glass of milk. David A. Bednar would be the type of person to drink a warm glass of milk before bed. Because I don't know if he could laugh at himself. I think yeah. he lacks that much self-awareness. I think all of them do. I think, I feel like Bednar would do like a kind of chuckle out of politeness. He'd, yeah. he'd be like, huh. And then he'd excommunicate then... you. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, um, who, how else would, how else would other people react in the, in the church? Do you think, I, f I feel like Gong could laugh at himself. Yeah, Gong. And, and then. Uchtdorf, maybe. And maybe Holland, even. I, I feel like Holland would, like, laugh at himself. He would, like, laugh at it uh -huh. and then he would realize that it's a joke at his expense and then he'd be like you taffy pulling no what? good daisy picking <laughs> oh there was this one thing that was like put on x Mormon reddit where i actually thought okay this guy isn't because i like he started to nauseate me basically with social media and everybody would just i'd be like he's really just saying okay things yeah and everybody's like Oh my gosh! Here's a person who's not a robot at General Conference. Isn't this the most amazing thing you've ever heard? Well, there's one he was talking about with like evil thoughts or something like that. He's like, evil thoughts and temptations come, but that doesn't mean you should invite them in, set out tea and crumpets, and invite <laughs> them to stay a while. And then, kind of off the cuff, he's like, you shouldn't be drinking tea anyway. <laughs> 
And I was like, oh, this guy's actually, like, he's got a mo- he's He had a moment here. Yeah. Like, maybe he understood, like, he get, you know what I mean? Yeah. He just, he's not a complete machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I could see him doing, do you know who, like, cost me my testimony? I I always talk about, like, the last nail in the coffin, and I've got, like, 50 last nails. <laughs> but I was just thinking, <laughs> this the other day, is Stevenson and Raz Band, who are, like, Two newish apostles. Yeah, yeah. Because they are just businessmen, right? Yeah. And businessmen tend not to be... They're real doers, right? Right. They know how to get things done, but they're not armchair philosophers or or amateur theologians. Yeah. Right? And so I always expected, and I think because of some of the... Like, Packer was an amateur theologian. Holland, to an extent, was an amateur theologian. Neely Maxwell, these guys were thinkers, right? They were real thinkers, and they give their talks, and they had constructed some kind of doctrinal insight. Right, right. Right? Yeah. And and then they just kept replacing it with more and more lawyers. But then, like, Raz, but lawyers are thinkers, too. Right, right. right. They can construct an argument. Yeah. But just business people who've just run businesses... And I'm like I'm not trying to slight it, but I just say those personalities they don't tend to be just like let's sit and just talk about things. They want to get things done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I remember hearing them talk at conference, and I was like, these guys remind me of that bishop I had who was also just a business guy. Yeah. Like the there is nothing special about these guys. They are just really really regular guys, and they can't say anything other than. Pay, pray, and obey, and they've got really shallow insights. Yeah, and it—they seem just like a run-of-the-mill state president yeah. who sells mutual funds. <laughs> like, yeah, these are really, in terms of disseminating theology, these guys are very, very unimpressive. Mm-hmm. And do you remember, like, the worst general conference talk ever given was when they restored the tabernacle? Did you? How old? Were, this was two thousand seven. Oh, I, w- I w- wouldn't remember that. I was like 11. Okay, so th- I was on my mission for it. They re- they do a big restoration of the tabernacle, and they have a session of general conference in the tabernacle again. And the presiding bishop at the time gets up and gives this talk and says, if these walls could talk. And he just starts saying, like, he talks about the reconstruction of the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And I was a missionary, and I remember, like, they told us to, like, take note, divide your sheet of paper into two columns, record notes in what the left column, and record your spiritual impressions in the right one. And I, like, took one bullet point, and then I kept listening to it, and I shut my book. I was really? like, this is the dumbest talk I've ever heard. And he starts, like, plugging construction companies who who worked on the restoration <laughs> of the building. If, oh, if... It was like the dumbest talk ever. Um, oh, yeah. Let me see if I can find it. If these walls could talk, LDS General Conference, and it was just and this guy, same kind of thing. He sounds like he's a corporate shell giving a speech right. at some kind of uh, you know pump up conference. And I remember, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Right. Well, it, I mean, it's a corporation. Like that's the thing. You know, uh, 
the but like <laughs> like, like with Neil A. Maxwell, some of those older guys, like it was a corporation masquerading as a church, masquerading quite well as a church. Yeah, this was just like, oh, we are full on at like we're the a business annual general meeting. Right. And we're talking about the big capital project we undertook this year. Right. I mean, that's why when, you know, the, the symbol of the Mormon church, the missionaries, they're dressed like 1950s American <laughs> businessmen, you know, <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, I, I see you're a church. Okay. Uh, or I see you're a business, a, a big, a big corporation. And then I love how like they go and have dinner with the Pope and stuff. And the Pope is in these very traditional, they have like incense and, uh, you know, celebrate these great works of art and uh, whatever, right? And the Mormon church is just like, oh, yes, we uh, paid whoever it is to draw these pictures of Nephi as a, as a Roman <laughs> soldier. <laughs> like... <laughs> I remember looking through the Mormon artwork and yeah. like in the Book of Mormon, like my first Book of Mormon that I had, had all those pictures in it. And uh, it just like so ridiculous. Like it had Elder Jackson inscribed on the front and in the gold, gold print. And uh, yeah, then you open it up and there's like Samuel the Lamanite standing on a wall, like deflecting arrows with his force field. And uh, and then like Nephi, who's like the size of a fridge, like, <laughs> he's like this giant fridge. Oh yeah, he's like the a fridge. <laughs> he's like he his body is a fridge, and then yeah. he's got like vacuums for arms and legs. Like he's like massive, yeah. Yeah. and uh, and he's like reaching out to Laman and Lemuel to help them up a hill, and they're like no. <laughs> We're not going with you. Um, it's just so funny. I love Mormonism. It's such a goofy. Do you know what? Like, I remember looking at those pictures and then knowing that nobody had found any ar archaeological evidence to substantiate the artist's rendering. Right. And then even just rationalizing it to myself as like a 12-year-old being like, well, they didn't know what things looked like back then, so I guess he's just doing his best guess. Right, right. Right. But but uh, what I would say is like, oh, well, of course, when Christ came, you know, everything was taken down under the ocean. Like all these cities were, were buried. Um, oh, I said that till like my mid-20s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so like Mormonism. Mormonism is like actually hilarious. Oh man, like, dude! I just like I found this talk that I was talking about, and can I just read some gems from it? Yes, yes. Okay, what did he? Say? Okay, so he's talking to President Hinckley today. Dear President, we present this senior citizen of a building, all attired in a fresh new finish, fitly framed together in its historical elegance, although a bit more comfortable. The presiding bishopric, along with more than two thousand craftsmen, proudly return the old original tabernacle along with a 100-year warranty. And it's like, oh, what? Wait, it has a 100-year warranty? He talks about the warranty of the building well, in like his talk? A presentation to Gordon Hinckley, because Gordon Hinckley, if it, you don't live in Utah... Presenting to this, the investors. Like, this is meaningless. The tabernacle is meaningless to every member of the church who lives outside the Mormon corridor. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I'm, I'm listening to this talk in England, looking around, wondering who here gives a flying F about the tabernacle. Yeah, yeah. And then he goes on, if these walls could talk, they would join in expressing sincere appreciation to FFKR Architects, Jacobson <laughs> Construction Company, and most important, the entire church project team, along with the many whose skills have made a complex endeavor possible. Shout out to my boys. Well, do you know what's even better is Jacobson Construction Company was my mission president's construction company. Really? Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. Do you know, speaking of shout outs, though, we actually had a, a bit of an exchange going on in one of my YSA awards where like right. friends would ask each other for shout outs in their talks and mm -hmm. we would try and fit them in. <laughs> tell some story sometimes like a made-up story about an experience we had with them <laughs> like, it was a real thing we're like oh you're giving a talk can i get a shout out like you'd ask people for a shout out and then it's like yeah but you know next time you give a talk you have to give me a shout out and you, like that's such an interesting like anthropological observation of mormons is the <laughs> The lack of seriousness, but right. at the same time, the absolute level of seriousness with with which they take their worship service. Mm -hmm. Because it's like, like I remember that, like the same thing, getting shout-outs and asking people for shout-outs and talks and, mm -hmm. hey, thanks for the shit. And then it just starts becoming this thing. And then, like, there was this one time I gave, there was this kid that I taught Sunday school, and he was like the... I don't know, he was the person assigned by the bishop to find someone to give opening prayer for priesthood opening exercises. Mm -hmm. And he kept asking me because I was the only adult he knew. Right. And after giving, like, opening prayer for four weeks in a row, he comes and asks me again. I'm like, I'm the only adult you know, aren't I? Yeah. He's like, well, and I'm like, you're too shy to talk to everybody else, aren't you? He's like, well, no, that's... I'm like, it is. That's why you keep asking me every week. I've been saying opening prayer for, like, last month. This is bullcrap. Well, I'm like, okay, fine. I'll do it again. And so I get up there and I say, Dear Lord, please give us the strength to start with the man in the mirror, to ask him to change his ways. For we know that no message could be any clearer than that if we want to make the world a better place, we need to take a look at ourselves and make a change. <laughs> and like to any younger v listeners, like that is a Michael Jackson song. Yeah. And that was my prayer. <laughs> And one person caught on, and so I opened my eyes after giving this tremendous prayer, and he's laughing his head off. Then I've got, like, other people coming up to me and being like, that was a real interesting and powerful prayer. I never thought about, you know, being intrinsic and, and thinking for myself. And, oh, that was really... Then the bishop comes up to me, and he's, like, glaring. And he's like, I know what you did. And I'm like, like, prove it. Like, <laughs> I don't care, but... That's not uncommon in, like, Mormon worship services to have people try and, like, plug little jokes or see what they can get away with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even my dad, uh, yeah. he'll just, like, plagiarize his talks when he's asked to speak. He just, like, pulls a general conference talk and delivers it. He doesn't even, like, he, like, he, he just gets up and, and reads, right? reads this general conference talk because he's like, who's going to notice? <laughs> like... Who cares? Um, yeah. It, There's another... Oh, sorry. No, no, go no. Ahead. Go ahead. There's another thing in this talk, and I remember listening to this and knowing that only people from Utah would get this, 
Yeah. Is that he says, these old walls would express gratitude for the protection and beauty of a shiny new aluminum roof and would join with the benches in enjoying the smiles on faces of patrons as they discover the slightly modified seats and a few more inches of knee room. <laughs> That's only funny if you grew up in Utah going to general conference in the tabernacle in, yeah. and having to get stuffed into those old pews. I yeah. only knew about that because my mom went to BYU and she told me about it. Yeah. But nobody else gets that. But then yeah. I remember him giving this talk and there's like a chuckle. Yeah. People are laughing. Yeah. But it's like, okay, tell me you're a worldwide church. Yeah. Because you're not proving it so well with this stupid talk. Yeah. Well, didn't you say that's why they don't, why uh, Uchtdorf doesn't have as many airplane analogies in his thing? Because it didn't like pull well with audiences, like with oh, that's the more me. global no. audience. I did hear that somewhere. Where, that makes sense. Yeah, where where like they'll adjust their talks to be more accessible because yeah, you get these talks. I mean, we're kind of ish in the Morador, and mm -hmm. uh, and like even for us, even though we most most people in our area have been to Utah, have been to Temple Square, have you know gone and done conference, you know, baptisms in Utah. But um, but like even for us, some of the things that we hear, we're like, "Wow, you're really international." <laughs> Ooh, global church, cool. Yeah. Oh, do you know what's great? He also goes through some kind of big revelations that were given in the the tabernacle. So he talks about Joseph F. Smith uh, delivering Section One Thirty Eight of the Doctrine and Covenants. Heber J. Grant starting the church welfare program during the Great Depression. Harold B. Lee starting uh, Family Home Evening. Um, and then uh, Bruce R. McConkie in 1985 when he set, you know, gives this uh, talk about Jesus and says, my words may sound like the scriptures, but they've become my own. And in a, in a coming day, I will bathe his feet with my tears. And then, like, he died the next day or something like that. Um, so he goes over that one. Um, so interestingly, though, if we go through the chronology of the, uh, the church history events that he talks about, we go from, uh, like, 1915 or whenever Section 138 came out, 1936, when they talk about the church welfare program, 1964, when they talk about Family Home Evening. And then we skip to 1985 with Bruce R. McConkie. Can you think of anything, you know, monumental that would have been issued from that pulpit between 1964 and 1985? I... <laughs> <laughs> like, the priesthood ban being lifted? I, I love how, like, all of these revelations that he talks yeah. about are like they're they're just programs you know like i know like 30 years from now somebody's gonna be standing up at a pulpit and say like i remember when the ministering program of the church started in 2018 and it just blessed my life so much That's it's like completely. lady nothing changed like <laughs> nothing nothing happened they just they just started counting numbers differently. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that's the only difference. 
I have not heard from my ministers since April 2020 or May 2020. At the start of COVID, they were actively being told to like make sure that all families had their material needs met. Um, yeah. Just because like you had grocery store shortages and a lot of just kind of general panic, right. people being locked down and stuff. And so I emailed him, and bless his heart, that our our uh, one of our ministers had um, Asperger's. Um, but I just sent him like a cryptic email. <laughs> he was the one who emailed me, and I just said, "Hello, we do not wish to reveal our location at this time. We prefer to leave our fate mysterious, <laughs> or something like that." And he has nobody reached has reached out to us since. I know our ministers have changed, but still nobody's uh, contacted yeah. us. So. Yeah. I mean, great program. Great program. Because I sure went to go home teach a bunch of freaking inactives with my dad. I I always did my home teaching, um, as shown by that message I got from that lady last week <laughs> or a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, I always did. I always did my home teaching. I think I was pretty good at it. Uh, when I was in Rexburg, I think my ministers like came over once, but then also they were my neighbors and we were friends. So, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, ministering Rexburg was very different. Yeah, um, I could imagine. Yeah, because you were just hanging out anyways. Like, there wasn't really that same need. There was, with the sisters, you'd be called in, you know, at, at night to go and give them a blessing. Okay, what was your stuff. weirdest blessing story living in Rexburg? Um, what was my weirdest blessing story living in Rexburg? And then I'll tell you the dumbest blessing that I was ever a part of. Um, I don't know if I if I have well, I mean, one. Like you just you, you already I mean uh, piqued our listeners' interest by saying getting called out in the middle of the night to go give blessings. So like, what kind of weird blessings was it? You know, a girl from Podunk, middle of nowhere, Idaho, who like I you know had was, to learn what menstruation was or like <laughs> no no it was always it was um there were a couple times where it was like uh if the sister i ministered to was sick um uh, a couple times it was like uh like stress about school and stuff mm -hmm. that's usually what it was like it was pretty normal and it was like people we were friends with so we would go over sit and like chat with them and then they and then give them the blessing and then chat with them again but like giving a blessing is like a weird a weird thing because when when you're in you're like these are the lord's words and then when you're pimo you're like yeah i'm just kind of saying stuff but like the words mm -hmm. hold the same power and they like you finish the blessing and they're like crying they're like thank you that really helps but it's like, yeah, cool, cool, you know. Um, but my my last semester, my roommate, the guy I shared a room with, I told him that I, that I was leaving after I was done at Idaho because I was like, I'm not, I'm not blessing the sacrament anymore. I'm not giving blessings. Like I'm like done with all this, right? And so I told him so that he could get me out of this stuff. And so then um, he would always make up an excuse for me. Like if they were like, hey, uh, Elder Jackson, can you and your roommate come and, and give a blessing? I'd be like, oh, sorry, I've got something going on right now. Like I'm out right now, but I'm sure so-and-so can 
come and do it. And then he'd go and he'd get me out of blessing the sacrament all the time. I still took the sacrament and stuff, but he, he, he would get me out of like, if somebody was like, Hey, elder Jackson, can you bless the sacrament? And, uh, I, I would just show up like not in a white shirt. And then my roommate would say, Oh, well I'm wearing a white shirt, so I'll just do it, you know, and, and get me out of it. (laughs) Um, yeah. Do you have any crazy blessing stories? This is it. And it also happens to be a sister missionary story. Perfect. Even, those, those are the best. Which, I mean, the way that Mormons all make sister missionary jokes, Yeah. I think that tells you everything you need to know about how Mormons feel and think about women. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so I was serving my mission in England. I was actually in Wales, and our mission just covered the whole north coast of Wales. And so to drive across it was probably about kind of three or four hours end to end, right? And so me and my companion were on the far end. He was a district leader. And then the sister missionaries were on the far east end. So they were about two or three hours away from us. Mm-hmm. And then there was a companionship in the middle. Mm-hmm. Another companionship in the middle, about an hour, hour and a half between our area and the sister's area. So one of the sisters was about to take her UK driving test. And the UK driving test is like like it puts all other driving tests to shame. It's quite intense. And it, you have to do it in a standard mm-hmm. uh, vehicle. Yeah. Because all, all the mission vehicles were a standard transmission. And in the UK, they have two different licenses for being able to drive a standard transmission versus an auto transmission. So you yeah. had to – if you'd never driven a standard, you had to learn how to drive a standard – and then pass this driving test on these crowded little roads. And Anyway, so she's really, really nervous about it. And so she calls my companion, who is the district leader, and of course district leaders are blessed with mystical power. <laughs> yeah. Right? From on high. And she's like, oh, I really need a blessing because I'm taking my driver's test. Maybe she was only doing the written one. I can't remember. But she's really, really nervous about this driving test. And... My companion comes to find me. We're street contacting, and I see him talking on the phone. He comes over, and he tells me, he's like, look, sister so-and-so's taking her driver's test, and uh, she needs us to give her a blessing. And I'm like, look, we've got no investigators. We've got to be out finding. Mm-hmm. We've got to find people to teach. That's our job. Like, the, the, That's two hours away. That's going to – if we drive all the way over there, drive all the way back, that's four hours. We're going to lose, you know, half a working day. Like – you, you're nuts. Mm-hmm. We're not doing this. Like, there's, they live in a ward. There's priesthood holders there. Mm-hmm. Why don't they just go? And he's like, no, no. The mission president told me when he made me a district leader that I had to make sure I took extra special care of the sisters in my area. So wah, we need to wah. go give them a blessing. Right? And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. And so then he's like, well, what if we just um, met up with the elders in the other area. I'm like, well, that area doesn't have a chapel. Like, we've got nowhere to go in that other area. He's like, oh, well, maybe there's a member family there and we could give the sisters a blessing there. I'm like, okay. So we contact the elders in the other area and we're like, can you find a ward family, a place for us to give the sisters a blessing? We're both driving out there. We'll see in like an hour, hour and a half. They're like, okay, so we show up at this member's house, 
and the member's like got his white shirt and tie on, and he's like, oh, they're sisters who need a blessing? Yeah. And we're like, yeah, but they want us to give them the blessing. And he's like, aren't you guys from like, you guys, he's trying to put together what the hell's going on? And I'm like, yeah, like I know. My companion's an idiot. And then we gave the sister missionary a blessing, and it, I don't know, she probably failed her test anyway, because like everybody fails on their first try there. It's tough. So, that, so it was just like, this is so stupid. Because I'm like, get this, like, we're driving to another area where two other missionaries are to go to a house where another priesthood holder is so that we can give them the blessing. <laughs> and we're burning daylight for this. Like, Yeah. Makes sense. Like, yeah. The church is true. Church is true, guys. So The church is true. There's our little divergence. <laughs> I mean, I think we're ready to wrap it up, and this kind of went on a different track. Yeah. Um, but I want to close with what Bishop Burton said in that stupid talk. If these, So his talk is called If These Old Walls Can Talk. It's from the um, uh, 2007 uh, General Conference. I believe the spring one. No, it would be the October one. 2007 uh, October General Conference. And um, he closes it out by saying, I'm grateful for this extraordinary building. It stands as a sacred monument to our past and a magnificent ensign of hope for the future. I testify to the divinity, blah, 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 blah. But just, I'm grateful for this building. It stands as a monument to our past. Whose past? Utah Mormons. Not the worldwide church. Yeah. And I think, like, this talk said everything you needed to know about, at least at that point in time, what the church really cared about. Yeah. And it was the members in Utah. Yeah. So I'd just like to bear my testimony. This was the dumbest talk ever given in in a general conference. Um, so if you just want to go back and look at it and have a laugh. Oh, sorry, it was April 2007. H. David Burton, presiding bishop, if these old walls could talk, April 2007. Not to be confused with the HBO special on abortion called If These Walls Could Talk. Um, it's called If These Old Walls Could Talk. So I'm glad their SEO <laughs> is working managed out. Just sort sort that out before <laughs> before the title of the talk went online. Yeah. So In the name of H, what is it, Burton? H. H. David Burton. In the name of H. David Burton. Amen. Amen.